The first reading and the gospel kind of share a common theme, a common parable, um, the story of the vineyard. Um, the one in Matthew's gospel that we just read uh, was a thinly veiled, would have been very clear uh, to those who heard it from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, there's two groups of servants who are sent, and finally the owner's, landowner's son is sent. And they, that's a clear allusion to the law, the Torah, and the prophets, the two pillars, of, if you will, of Judaism, at least in the scriptures, and then Jesus himself. And the point of both of them is that God had blessed them. God had worked for them through creation. Uh, God had created the vineyard. God had created the world. And God had created a people uh, out of the Hebrews that with his mighty hand and outstretched arm, he had gathered these slaves out of Egypt and brought them to a land uh, flowing with milk and, and honey. Uh, God had watched over them and helped them and blessed them. Uh, and he expects some things back from them, just as the vineyard owner expected some of the produce uh, from his tenants, just as the vineyard worker, owner, in the first Old Testament reading, expected good grapes from his work. Uh, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God and expects a response from us. In the first reading, it's clear, it's explicit, God expects justice. The fruit of our faith is justice. It is how we act in the world. Faith and prayer build up and prepare us for those things. And we use what God has given us to build on them. In the New Testament parable here in the Gospel, uh, God expects the works of the kingdom of God. Love, justice, peace, again, he expects how we live to be the fruit of our faith and to be the fruit of what he has blessed us with. God expects a response from what he has done for us. You know, I think if we're really honest with ourselves and we kind of take a step back from the world, from our daily lives, from our hopes and dreams and trials and tribulations. Uh, think of the world a little bit like that view from the moon when the astronauts were there. And think of all the different peoples on the earth and how they're living. And if you will, think even of time. What do, what do I mean by all that? Well, first of all, look around the world. I, by chance, was in Rome and went to a conference 
And this sister from a Vatican commission spoke and she said, and sisters never lie, and they're never wrong. I learned that in grade school. But she said, 40% of the world does not have access to clean drinking water. 40%. Now, I don't know how they calculated it, but I do know that there are lots and lots of people that do not have clean drinking water. I know, I've been there. Uh, uh, all the things that we have, um, you know, if, if we can't flick a switch and get light, or Wi-Fi, or air conditioning, it's a major tragedy. This is just terrible. And yet, I know places where other Holy Cross priests, brothers and sisters are, and you regularly expect the lights to go out. You only have electricity for a few hours a day. You just don't have it. It's not available. Uh, we have this terrible pandemic going on. Uh, we don't worry about can we get to a hospital. We don't worry will there be a doctor. We don't worry about that. Some people do. I remember helping in a mission that we used to have in Mexico in the mountains. And uh, the, the priest who was there, who was about my age now, uh, asked me to go up the mountain to this place. And uh, these people were living in a hut, no electricity, no running water, no floor, the floor was dirt, no phones, uh, and a man was dying. They weren't going to pick up the phone and dial 911. There's no ambulance. There's no road. The only way to get there is walking up a mountain, and it wasn't easy. They weren't going to call Father at the last minute. No way. Impossible. In fact, to come to Mass, Many of them at the church, many of them uh, had to walk three miles each way. There was no parking lot. There were no cars. You walked around this mountain. Um, I would venture to say, don't have the statistics for it, but I would venture to say, most Catholics in the world probably do not have access to Sunday Mass. Most Catholics. At least not easy access. Um, the Amazon. We just had a major synod in the church. What should we do for the millions and millions of people who don't have access to a priest? They have about the size of our diocese, 14 counties, one priest. Most of those folks will not have access to sacraments or mass for a long, long time. It just won't happen. And the question was, should we ordain married men in each of these villages? The answer was no. They will do without. Our challenge 
is we have to do distancing and some other things. Not easy, but it's pretty accessible. And there's no Wi-Fi, there's no electricity, there's no online mass, there's no computers for most of those people. We are indeed blessed. And then if you think about not just the geography of the world and what most people have and don't have, think of time, of what is available to us that was not available. Today, if I want to talk to my sister in Austria, I pick up the phone and call her on WhatsApp. Costs us nothing. Nothing. As long as you have a phone, the app, and Wi-Fi. Nothing. I remember when she first went to go study over in Austria. My parents would, back and forth, they record cassettes to, as a way of talking. When my grandparents left Hungary, you said goodbye and never expected to speak to your parents or brothers and sisters again. Just a little over a hundred years ago. Uh, we are blessed. We have so much that is available to us that other people don't have. Well, what does that have to do with us in these readings? Well, first of all, I think there's two tasks, two things. One is we must recognize that God has blessed us, that all these things that we have so accessible, so easy, so right there, because we happen to be in a certain place in a certain time, we could have been born in another time in another place. God has blessed us. These are gifts, blessings from God. And we need to recognize them as that, that they are God's gift to us. To be people who pray with gratitude, to thank God, for how he has blessed us. And then secondly, if we really believe that these are God's gifts, then we need to use them as God's gifts. God expects us to use them wisely and well. He expected people in the gospel who heard about the kingdom of God to respond and live according to those values to recognize that we are all brothers and sisters, to build a kingdom of peace, love, and justice. And with it, there's a bit of a warning. Unless we change our ways, unless we follow his laws, the kingdom of God will be taken away and given to a people that will produce its fruit. We are called to produce the fruit of the kingdom of God, peace, love, and justice.